Ooh, little BD, Brooks and Dunn, to kick off the 9 o'clock hour here on the Kevin Carey Show with uh, Brandon Douglas. And Eddie Steele just left the building and is fired up for next Wednesday's game. We'll talk about that more next week. Uh, we'll have some quick card minor hockey week uh, representatives in the studio next Monday. Just got a text in from Eden, father of Arius. Good morning, gentlemen. Just got in my vehicle. How was the Oilers skills competition? Uh, what were the... Results, some of them, as expected. Well, we'll kind of run down a few of them for you uh, and some of our listeners that would like to know. Fastest skater went Ryan McLeod, 40.5 kilometers an hour. You might be maybe surprised to see who the second place skater was, and it was Vinny DeHarnay at 40.2 kimmies an hour. The old bullseye battles, always a lot of fun. They had four rounds, quarterfinal, semifinal, and then the championship in the semifinal. Ryan Nugent Hopkins defeated Connor McDavid, 4-2. Leon Dreisaitl defeated Zach Hyman, 4-1. And then in the championship, Ryan Nugent Hopkins over Leon Dreisaitl, 4-2. Hardest shot went to Cody Ceci, 102.9 miles an hour. Evan Bouchard at 99.5. And... A half. and the most popular event of them all, the Rough Rough Relay. So Hugo CC, Cody CC's dog, did the Rough Rough Relay in 7.109 seconds. Ollie Bouchard, Evan Bouchard's dog, 7.375 seconds for second place. Uh, of note, Lenny, Connor McDavid's dog, was DQ'd. <laughs> Ooh, DQ'd. Huh? Uh, they, they, they are stringent. They are tough on the rules in the Rough Rough Dog Competition, the Rough Rough Relay. <laughs> Text coming in, one 401 1440 Dad says it should also always be uh, the best players. We're talking about the All-Star game. That was one of our uh, uh, questions, statements. Uh, are you in or are you out about Players in the All-Star game, Cat Dad says it should always be the best players, but there should be a representative from the home team. That's good. I also believe they should have hired guns, uh, the best in skill categories. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about this. RBC text in. Pittsburgh has already beaten the Ravens with Lamar at quarterback this year. So that was another one of our questions. Who will be one of the teams that moves on? And I, I just think Pittsburgh had a feeling about the Steelers after the win in Seattle. And we'll discuss uh, some of that and more with uh, Alain Poupard coming up at 920. But we'll focus on the Dolphins and the Bills in that one. Uh, Tiger says, hey, guys, great interview. I'm so happy that Danielle is doing uh, the play-by-play for PWHL and... I think that she wears a Raiders jersey. Not sure all about that. Uh, Pillman says uh, he's t- oh, and a lot of guys coming on side about Bob. What about Bob? Uh, Dean texts in. And this is the other one uh, Eddie and I and, and Mark Spector were kind of discussing. Just the fact about media players and how certain players in certain ages, certain sports, some are more well-spoken than others. That's just the way it is. Now, Dean comes in and says the difference, because we were talking about football and hockey players, and that's basically because of Eddie Steele talking about his his past and his experiences being interviewed as a younger player. 
Dean says the difference is football players are 22 in college trained, where hockey players are ripped away from their parents at an early age. Well, Dean, okay, I, hockey players do leave home at a younger age. Yes, that's true. But hockey players, when they go to teams like the Edmonton Oil Kings and even down as far as the Alberta Junior Hockey League, if they go that route, and even when they go to academies, are starting to take media training at a very young age. It's The difference is some players, it takes a little while longer. Some players are shy. Some players at the age of 17, 18, 19, don't know what to say. They have the canned answers. They're trained, if you want to call it that, in, in your words, Dean, are trained to to have their responses, to have a bagged answer, to be ready. But the problem is that it's just the personality of the player. Some players are ready to discuss. Some players at that age, 18, 19, 20, and we've seen it in every sport. Some players, as you say, Dean, are 22 and college trained. We've seen interviews with players come out of college that go to the NFL or whatever league. They're they're no better, some of them, than players that are 18 in the NHL. That's just the way it goes. It's all an individual process. Each individual moves on and can, I don't know, increase, be better, accrue, uh, and complement their own personalities with how they can respond to media questions. And and how they do that, it ends up to being, you look at a guy like Stu Skinner. That's kind of how this whole conversation started. Stu is very well-spoken, has no problem when there are 20 microphones in front of him. That go that do you think that this is like a natural thing? He's worked at a lot of this stuff. Uh, we had another comment uh, about Brendan. This is from Brendan. Sidney Crosby had personality at eighteen and nineteen. Ah, no, he didn't. Go back and look at all those interviews that Sidney Crosby did at eighteen and nineteen. I was there. I was in Hotel McDonald in the ballroom where Sidney Crosby came in and was pale as a ghost. And there were a lot of media. This was his first trip out west. It was the first game that Sidney Crosby came in. This was a similar situation to what Connor Bedard experienced this year when he started the season with five straight massive road games in all the major markets. And he was worn out. He was so worn out at the point where the Blackhawks said, we're not going to make you available in Toronto because he'd already run the gamut to start, and he did the circle in Boston. He was in Montreal. It's hard on these young guys. It's a skill. It's a talent. It's something that you work at. Uh, Ski Report Duke? Oh, okay. Uh, Just a couple texts here. Uh, Barber in Peacetown. Peace River. Peace River. Sorry. Peace Town. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's well, Peace Town. Hey, man, sorry. I'm in town. <laughs> Barber uh, from Peace River is in our town. Good morning. I'm in town. Are the Oilers skating today? What time? <laughs> well, you know what, Duke? I was trying to look at a few things there, and I got Peace You're Town. trying to multitask, yes. and that, uh, that rarely works yes. when, the, when the mic's live in front of you, mm-hmm. Kev. That's, it it that, never works. That's funny. It that. never works. <laughs> yes, the Oilers are skating town. today. They have uh, a skate today at 11 o'clock, and then they will have their morning skate, which will likely be heavy-duty optional. Having said that, with an 8 o'clock start, some guys like to get a little more, you know... A little more rigorous little, in the morning? Just a tad more because you're waiting another hour for sure 
you know, puck drop's going to be 8.15 tomorrow by the time it's all said and done. Kevin, are most oiler skates open? Like, no, can, no. Are, are, I, in, are any? Unfortunately, uh, the guy from Peace Town here, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Barber in Peace River, no, they're not, they're not open. What happens is you will have an arrangement with certain people in, like, for instance, a day like today or even over the holidays, a class or something like that. Say today, this is a good example. Maybe a class or a classroom or some school will have an event and they'll head down and and it'll be like that. Or, you know, we've seen, here's another example. There was a big group from Germany that came in several years ago and has really been coming to see Leon Dreitzel. Well, this group gets in, you know, they'll make the arrangements. So, But no, it's not open to the public. You can't just knock on the door and uh, slide in there. All right, now time for the Ski Report. Here's the Duke. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your Ski Report for Friday, January 5th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. It's not a lot, but some snow has started to fall at most Alberta resorts with more expected in the next few days. Marmot Basin getting three new centimeters overnight. Soften things up a bit, but still not enough to get the new Knob Quad Chair or the Eagle East area open. Down in Banff, Lake Louise, four centimeters overnight and six over the past four days, with Sunshine receiving similar totals this week. No new snow at Norquay or Nikita and Castle Mountain receiving two centimeters in the last 12 hours. Heading down Highway 1 into BC, Kicking Horse received three new centimeters and Revelstoke, nine fresh centimeters overnight. Further south, Fernie with four new centimeters, but Kimberly and Panorama, no new snow yet to report. In the Okanagan, Silver Star is nine centimeters fresh and Big White received eight while Sun Peaks with four new centimeters of fresh snow. While there is some new snow on the ground in the mountains, don't stop praying to the snow gods as there is still a long way to go to get things up to even what an average snow base would be for this time of year. Lots of natural hazards still poking through, so do be careful out there. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. Ah, Duke Smooth as always. Not enough O's in smooth. As an old friend used to say, Don Chester Chesney, smoother than the old number one highway, Duke. Well, as long as you're on the Alberta <laughs> side of it and not into Saskatchewan. It's a big difference, isn't it? Oh, my you God. You know, I, I make the trek always. Yes. And when you hit the Lloyd, and <laughs> it's funny, Lloyd Minster, that, we got to get around Lloyd somehow already. You, you like got a base, bypass? Yeah. I mean, there is a way, I'm sure. I don't exactly know how. But when you go through Lloyd... It, it takes, takes you. Oh, it takes a lifetime. It was down to, to sixty, there. then to fifty, and yeah, it's that's that's a little silly. Mm-hmm. But so. you're right. Once you get on the other side of Lloyd, going eastbound, and you're bouncing. You're your just head hanging off the on, <laughs> hanging on for dear life. So you got to dial back the cruise control <laughs> on the pickup because oh. you're worried about rattling the tires right off the the nut. No the, the kidding. Lugs, so yeah, no kidding. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little NFL football with Alan Pupar from AllDolphins.com. Massive game between the Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills Sunday night in the NFL. That's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 9.20 in Edmonton. Looking forward to week 18 of the NFL and several key matchups happening. None more so than the battle for the AFC East Division. Sunday night, uh, Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. And here to talk about it is Alan Pupar from alldolphins.com. Hey, Alan, welcome back to Sports 1440. Good morning and, hey, Happy New Year, too. Right back at you. When, what's your cutoff? We've been talking about this all week. What's your cutoff to say Happy New Year, Alan? 
Oh, very arbitrarily. How about January 10th? Hey, we're still in the ballpark then. <laughs> yeah, you're good. How excited and how much are you looking forward to this tilt Buffalo and Miami uh, Sunday night to close out week 18 and the regular season schedule in the NFL? Oh, I love that. I mean, those are fun. Those are the games that you get into this business for. I mean, they went through, and I was telling this to my, to my All Dolphins podcast co-host, like the Dolphins went through a run in the regular season where they played, what was it, like Washington, the Jets, and back-to-back games, and then New England at home, and it was like they were double-digit favorites, and it's like, yeah, it's all great, and the Dolphins are probably going to win, and that's that's good. I mean, winning is always good. But you like those games where you go into the game and, you know, it, 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 there's a lot at stake. You don't know who's going to win. Uh, that Those are the fun games. Mm-hmm. What happened last week against Baltimore for the Dolphins, besides the obvious? Uh, everything bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, and it was... The thing offensively, they got off to a very, very good start. And then it looked like Baltimore started doing a couple of different things on defense, uh, namely with their linebackers and also choking the middle of the field. And all of a sudden, things weren't so easy for the offense. And defensively, the entire game, it was an issue with breakdowns, bad communication between defenders when, as, far as, as far as who's got who, we need to switch here, you got him, I got him. And then what happens is a couple of times nobody nobody got the intended receiver. There were three three touchdown plays where the wide receiver was wide open. The long one to Zay Flowers, of course, a seventy five yarder, and then two near the end zone, one to Isaiah Likely, and one to Patrick Ricard at the end of the game. Uh, that just cannot happen. It hasn't happened, and for some reason it was a complete mess on Sunday. Alan Pupar, alldolphins.com, our guest on Sports 1440. Alan, how much stock do you put into the game that the Bills and the Dolphins played previously this year? October 1st, uh, it was a 48-20 victory for the Bills. Uh, How much does that come into play on Sunday night? Uh, It doesn't in in a vacuum. um, Because, I mean, there were some factors involved. They're not the same thing we're talking about. This is 14 weeks ago. Uh... From the Dolphins' offensive standpoint, uh, they this was their first game without their starting center, and then they had Lee Meikenberg, who had been a guard in the tackle in his career, making his first NFL start at center, and that's a factor. And then on top of that, the Dolphins lost to Ron Armstead, their Pro Bowl left tackle late in the second quarter. That didn't help. And then on this side of the ball, this was a time when the Dolphins did not have Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Now they have Jalen Ramsey, who's obviously – a game-changer on defense. They are without certain players who were in that game, uh, most notably Bradley Chubb. They're probably going to be without Xavier Howard. They're not going to have Jalen Phillips, although if my memory serves, he didn't play in that game either. Um, but I, I think all in all, no, I, I don't expect that game in itself to, to, to have any sort of like mm-hmm. bearing on it. The only thing is, that game was just a continuation of the success Josh Allen has that against the Dolphins. You, you mentioned Chubb, uh, Alan Pupar with us on all from alldolphins.com on Sports 1440. Just a critical, just a, a crucial, a devastating blow to this team. Without question, and to me what made it worse, it was so completely unnecessary. And uh, Mike McDaniel was asked about the idea of why is Bradley Chubb in the game 
when the score is 49 to 19 and there's four minutes left. And then he's talking about how the players want to end on a good note with some good reps, uh, their competitors and all that. And I, personally, I say fooey to that because mm-hmm. uh, even if you have two good plays at the end of a 49 to 19 blowout, are you really going to leave the field with a good taste in your mouth? My answer is no. And when the score is that ridiculously out of hand, it, to me it should be treated like the fourth exhibition game or, sorry, the, the third preseason game now and basically clear the field of all your frontline players. Uh, I understand I don't think you can pull every single starter because of roster limitations, but you certainly can pull your frontline players, and Bradley Chubb certainly is one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Poupart, alldolphins.com on Sports 1440. On the subject of injuries, Raheem Mostert, what's his status for Sunday? That's a fabulous question. Uh, I am actually heading out to the Dolphin facility for practice as we speak. Um, he didn't. He hasn't practiced so far this week. He didn't practice last week and wound up not playing. And Mike McDaniel has constantly talked about what a what a warrior, what a tough guy this guy is. And he yeah, he's played for injuries for a while. He absolutely couldn't go against Baltimore. Uh, I'd say his status is. Uh, I'd be lying if, if I said I had a really hmm. clear idea to make him fifty fifty. Uh, having said that, uh, Devon Achan has played well in whenever he's filled in. What would you expect from him against a, a you know a pretty stout Bills defense? Yeah, the kid can play. I mean, there's no ifs ands or buts about it. I mean, he's just, he's been fabulous whenever he's been in there. Uh, I don't expect you know a major drop off. I think the Dolphins can have some success on the ground, which they did in that 48 to 20 game. Achan scored two touchdowns. Uh, I know he broke a long run. I don't, I, memory fails me as far as whether he cleared 100 yards, but he probably did because I know he had like a 55-yard run. The kid's just explosive, and he's battling through stuff too. He's got a turf toe injury. Uh, didn't stop him from having a, over 100 yards against the Ravens with another long run. So I think they'll be fine in the running game. If they lose the game, it won't be because – and this is this is no slight on Raheem Mostert who made the Pro Bowl and deservedly so – but if they lose against the Bills on Sunday night, I, I don't think it's going to be because they don't have Raheem Mostert. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that game against Buffalo, yeah, you're right. He had 101 yards and a couple TDs. He was also uh, targeted five times in the receiving core, had three catches for 19 yards. Our guest, Alan Pupart, alldolphins.com. When we're talking health, we it seems in the past few years, Tua Tungavaiola's name always would get brought up, but he's going to manage to play every game this year. Uh, start every game anyway. Uh, what have you made about him being healthy and what that's meant to the success of this team? Well, anytime you can have your starting quarterback play every game, that obviously helps because no matter who it is, there's going to be a drop-off. Uh, and this turmoil for a team, which makes what the Cleveland Browns have done even more remarkable because they're not on their second, third, they're on their fourth starting quarterback. Um and so having said that, you know, obviously, too, has had a great year, Pro Bowl starter. So that's helped. And as far as what's led to it, well, there are a couple of factors involved. And I'm of the belief that this idea, which has been certainly blown up quite a bit, that because he took jujitsu classes uh, in the offseason. Yeah, to me, that's, that's number 17 on the list of reasons. I think first and foremost, he hasn't been a victim of the fluky injuries that caused the concussions last year, number one. Number two, he's done a much better job of realizing when the play's, the play's dead, nothing is going to happen, and, and not trying to force something, which led 
to those of the, those injuries. And on top of all that, if you've noticed him also go down pretty quickly when he's faced with defenders as opposed to trying to juke them, which is what happened, if you recall, that nasty concussion he sustained in the Thursday night game at Cincinnati last year. Mm-hmm. He was faced with a situation where he had a defensive tackle in front of him. He tried to juke him. The guy basically stopped him and then flung him to the ground and that's what happened and there's been absolutely none of that uh, in 2023 when there's been a guy who's been close to him he gives up on the play he's been a lot smarter about you know mm-hmm. making sure he stays healthy and he as you say always gets the ball away quickly uh, Alan Pupar alldolphins.com our guest on Sports 1440 as for the Bills uh, how will the Dolphins face a team that has really come on everyone left the Bills for dead uh, you know when they were 6-6 six and six, just lost to the Philadelphia Eagles 37-34 but now the Bills have reeled off four straight wins the competition eh, whatever then you know but they did have to beat KC and Dallas but the Chargers and Patriots their last two wins so what kind of an opponent will we see with Buffalo and how will the Dolphins coaching staff game plan for what is becoming a pretty potent Bills offense? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. And as I said earlier, Josh Allen has given him problems throughout his career. I actually just wrote a story about it for alldolphins.com and the numbers are like outrageous. In 11 regular season games, beyond the 9-2 and two record that the Bills have, uh, Josh Allen's pe- career passer rating against the Dolphins is 110.8, which hmm. would either lead the NFL or would be second in the NFL. Uh, you know, as far as that mark is concerned, he's got 31 touchdown passes, five picks, uh, had a perfect passer rating when they played in, uh, on October 1st. or Yeah, October 1st. So making sure – well, here's the thing. is You get the feeling Josh Allen's going to get his yardage no matter what. And I think where the Dolphins can make some headway and give themselves a real chance to win is if they can force some turnovers and, and apply pressure, not necessarily to get him down on the ground for sacks, but, you know, make them force some throws or throw under duress a little bit. If you recall the playoff game last year, the Dolphins were starting their rookie seventh-round pick, Skyler Thompson. The offense had a really rough day. Um, and it wound up being a 34-31 game. Why? Because the Dolphins got a defensive touchdown on the fumble return. They had a, an interception that set up a touchdown and two-point conversion, and then they had a, another interception that set up a field goal. It's 18 points right there, which is, again, why they were in the game 34-31 despite being severely outgained. And if you look at the game last year they played in Miami, Dolphins wound up winning because they prevented Buffalo from capitalizing on all their scoring chances and the yardage in that game was 497 to 212 for Buffalo, and the Dolphins pulled out a 21-19 win. Hmm. So I think maybe the best recipe for the Dolphins defensively is, again, don't worry about the yardage. Get tough in the red zone. See if you can come up with some takeaways you know, and help out your offense like that. And the offense is going to have to pull its weight and produce. And if you remember the first game in Buffalo this season – it was 14-14 after the first quarter. Dolphins drove down the field, scored a touchdown in their first two drives, and then it went flat. They scored six points the rest of the way. Hmm. Obviously, they can't have that kind of performance where, you know, the, the offense falls apart. But some of that, again, had to be attributed to the offensive line. Maybe as much as anything else with the, the Armstead injury late in the second quarter. 
Alan Pupar, our guest on Sports 1440. Tyreek Hill with an amazing season. Suffered a little bit of an injury bug down the stretch. But then this week, off the field, a lot of big news with Hill. Yeah, and it's very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. There was a fire at his house, and the word from the investigators is that the the fire was set as a result of a child playing with a lighter of matches. The good news is that nobody was was harmed, uh, which obviously clearly is the most important thing. As a result of that, Hill left practice early on Wednesday to go deal with the situation. He was excused again on Thursday. I would suspect he'll be back at practice uh, today. Even if he's not, I, I, I really have a hard time seeing any scenario where he's not playing. The reality, though, he's not playing at 100%. He's not close to 100%. Uh, and you can see him from time to time, like kind of grimacing or limping a little bit. That ankle is giving them giving them a problem. And unfortunately, it's I don't know if, what percentage we want to put on him. Maybe it's eighty five percent Tyreek Hill is still better than most wide NFL wide receivers. But for for most of the season, you're absolutely right. He was completely electric. I mean, he was the MVP of this team, if not the entire league. Um, but right now he's toughing it out, and the Dolphins have to accept, you know, we get from him what we can get. Can't let uh, Alan Poupard go uh, from alldolphins.com with t- without talking a little bit about the CFL and your old stomping grounds in Montreal where the Alouettes won the Grey Cup. You must have been just excited and uh, very proud to see that happen uh, this fall here in Canada. You know who I was happy for? There was a – and the truth is I'm so detached. I mean, I've lived in mm-hmm. the States for like 40 years. Yeah. Uh, and truth be told, maybe I shouldn't admit this, even though I was growing up in Montreal, I was actually actually an Edmonton fan. Let's <laughs> um, not say that too loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I saw like something on social media toward the end of the season, I think it was, about this lady – who had lost her husband, who had, like, been making cookies for the, the, the Alouettes players, like, like on a regular basis. And she went out to practice, and she talked to them about how, how much they were giving him some comfort through this difficult time. And I couldn't help but think of her when, when the Alouettes won the Grey Cup. Oh. But all things being equal now, since I was born and raised in Montreal, I mean, go Alouettes. <laughs> Go Alouettes, yeah, so a big win. There's so many Edmonton connections, and we were talking, last time you we were on, we were talking about, you know, the Staple Bowl and in the late 70s, all the great rivalries. It was just a wonderful time to watch football between the old Alouettes and the old Eskimos. Yeah, no, it was cool. And then, yeah, and then my move came at the time when, when the Eskimos were, were through their run of Grey Cup after Grey Cup after Grey Cup. But in the 70s, it was, yeah, and, and actually... The memory I have of maybe being the coldest ever in my life was I was at Olympic Stadium for the 1977 Grey Cup between the, the, the Alouettes and the Eskimos. At a time when I was rooting for the Eskimos, not very loudly, but in, inwardly I was, and they got spanked 41 to 6. <laughs> Well, that's a long time ago. Well, appreciate all your work uh, with alldolphins.com. Enjoy the game uh, Sunday night because it's going to be a doozy. Really looking forward to that one to close out the regular season. And by then, we'll know all the uh, combatants and all the placings and the seedings for the playoffs coming up uh, in the NFL. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Alan. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Alan Poupart, alldolphins.com. Oh, that's going to be a screamer of a game. Now, am I correct, Duke? It's... uh, Bills are favored by three going into that one? You know what, Kev? I haven't even looked at the lines yet. 
You have? Well, that's okay. Wait a second. Let me put on my surprise face because, Why? well, you got, I mean, you're the, you're the line man. You're the line meister. If I was setting the line in this game. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. What would you set the line? Yeah. There you um, go. Bills are coming off four wins in a row. Yeah. Dolphins play better at home. They beat uh, they beat the Dallas Cowboys. That was a pick'em game, right? I that would was... I would favor the Bills, but I don't even think by a full three points. Okay. Maybe maybe two and a half. Maybe maybe. Well, let me well, you check your line. I'll uh, check my line. Uh it looks like it says two, here Bills two and a half. Two and a half okay. is what I have. Yeah. So you would say two and a half, eh? Yeah, full. I don't. It's not a full field goal. Uh, yeah, a field goal to cover. I so think you think it, it's going to be appropriate? You think it's going to be? Uh, do I necessarily think it's going to come down to that? That I'm not as sure of. Um, and I, 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 I had a pretty good inclination the Dolphins were going to get absolutely steamrolled by the Ravens last week, and we saw that. Mm-hmm. Just talked about it with Allen. Um, the Dolphins being at home here is huge. The fact that they went to, and that that game the Buffalo won earlier this season, the Dolphins. Much like we saw in the a lot of the college football slate, these southern teams that have to go uh, up into the northeastern United States and play at this time of year, it does not favor them. I mean, I mean, you play road games all season long, but it's still not the same. And as weather deteriorates, you know, conditions worsen. I, I think if Mostert is available to go and the Dolphins can kind of utilize that dual running back threat with both of them catching the ball, both of them running, both of them blocking, I would give them an edge, but the way the Bills have kind of ran the ball uh, this season with James Cook kind of emerging as as a legitimate RB1 rather than only having Josh Allen as a run option. um, My bigger concern is really the Bills' pass game at this point because Stephon Diggs has not been been not been really involved, but that also presents the opportunity for maybe him to emerge in a game that, uh, you know, means more than anything else. So I'm going to be on the Bills here, uh, money line for sure. Um, What if someone set the line at... Buffalo minus three and a half. What are you doing? Uh, I would be staying away from it. I, I wouldn't bet. I would not take the Bills to cover three and a half, but I also wouldn't feel comfortable because I do think the Bills could win this game by like a full score or two. Um, but uh, yeah, like at two and a half, I like the Bills. Three and a half, I, I'm not quite as keen on it. Hmm. That's what I'm going to set the line at. That's your line? Yeah, I'm going to set oh, the you, line. Oh, when you're doing your, your yeah. thing with the father-in-law? With the father-in-law, the great Ian Baker, minus three and a half, if I get to set the line. Because that's what happens. You, you you take turns setting the line, but he's such he he won't. He, you know, just a weak player is what he is in this. So, anyway, when when we come back, uh, we will check in a one on one I did with Warren Fogel coming up uh, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty right after the break. Stay with us. Well, uh, you know what? Let's read a text from Harry. Sometimes we don't read a lot of Harry's text. Picking on the father in law. Nice. Yes, the father-in-law and I have a a great relationship. We go and we watch a little football on Sundays, and just to keep things interesting, we place a wager on about anywhere between seven, eight, nine, ten games a week. And after all of this, Duke for well, what are we at here? Week eighteen, I think we might have missed a week. I think, and it's ten dollars a game. So each person nominates a couple games. You can set the line at whatever you want. The other person gets to pick. Then the second person picks. Um, I think I'm up $10 after, uh, well, I don't know, 170 games. That's how, I mean, that's how close it is. I mean, because. that's Well, that's good. You that's don't want to be too lopsided. To we don't want this situation like you in fantasy where you're getting cakewalked no. every week. Yes. I- Harry, <laughs> Harry, I'm hurt. I'm always texting. Well, Harry, sometimes we can't get to all the texts. Sorry, buddy. Uh, Morgan Wallace. That was Morgan Wallace, see? Wallen. Wallen? 
Well, yeah, he this, says Morgan this, Wallace. This says Wallace. From yeah, gloves. But I think that's, that's a spell check or something. Ah, uh, Harry, we're all on your side, Harry. We're all on your side, <laughs> Harry. Harry, we appreciate all your yes. texts, even if we can't um, get to it all the time. Or like sometimes, like, uh, was that yesterday morning we had Ben? Yeah, we had Ben Nichols and Smith on to talk mm-hmm. about the Jays presser and Harry texted in. Blue Jays talk, tuning out, tuning out. Just got a text in, uh, and now I just went over to the Czech-Finland game. 8-5, Czech now. It was 5-4. to I literally had checked the score before that last commercial break. Okay, well, I think what we would imagine, unless this summary is way off, the summary... This has to be wrong. That's coming in right now because it's all coming in quite quickly. And I'm, I'm not. The, the Duke is on. We don't have a monitor in here. Anyway, uh, it looks like the Czechs scored about three goals in about a minute, maybe less, something like that. Anyway, eight five. I'm assuming uh, there's not much time left in the game. What do you got, Duke? Can you see it there, or do you have it? Yeah, I, I don't have the game live yeah. right now because it had been uh, kind of out of hand, so I turned it off. But yeah, the Czech story back and uh, down to the final few minutes of the game here. Mm-hmm. It's eight to five in favor of the Czech Republic. So, and of um, course, we're in the studio. We're we're working on getting a big TV in here. That's the main goal for twenty twenty four, isn't it? Yeah, that that's our that's Sports fourteen forties twenty resolution is to get a, a TV up on the wall so mm-hmm. we can because um, I mean I mean even like in the case of uh, Gregor's show, if the Oilers are out east, the game started. Game's on. For the last hour of the of the program, and right? so. I mean, you can find it on like you have it on one of your little yeah, like your I, I stream, but it's but. hard because we are in a situation where we got a lot of things going, right? Yeah, so. and yeah, you, you have your laptop over in front of you. That's obviously usually utilized um, uh, with, with, Harry, with Harry's text, with Harry's text, uh, all your arduous uh, note taking and, and preparation, mm-hmm. so you don't come off as a total nimby like Bob thinks you are. So, yeah, you, you, you can't afford to have your laptop being used to have the game on. I'm glad there's a few guys on my side now. A pro move. Bob would respect that. That comes from Jordan. Not exactly sure what he's talking about. I, I think it was something during the um, interview with uh, Alan. He said he, he knew, pretended he didn't know. Or he's, I don't know if he was talking about you or yeah, Alan. I don't know. Because, I, I mean, the text and if people are streaming. Yeah. Uh, that, listen to a stream. There's a little bit of a delay. So they hear it uh, yeah. a few seconds later. So, and, I mean, if Jordan wants to qual- or, uh, clarify, feel free to text us back. And we get a lot of guys texting with the voice text. And sometimes they come in and we go, oh, it's hard to read. <laughs> yeah, very true. Oilers in action tomorrow against Ottawa. Senators in Seattle last night lost 4-1. Ottawa just a total debacle right now just a total uh, a mess the whole franchise in disarray new ownership new gm craziness what's going on but hopefully the oilers don't look past this before they go out on this three-game road trip because everything is going well right now and one of the things that is going well is the play of the second line and that has a lot to do with warren fogel because when warren fogel and ryan mcleod were put together with leon dreisaitl they come up with some stellar games they have not uh they've looked like they've been playing together for a long long time fogel and mcleod are so fast and bring size fogel's you know he's a big guy he's six two well over 200 pounds he can hit he has the ability. You know, it's funny when you watch him stick handle. He's like, he's he's like tap, 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 tap. He always, he's like one of the, he's almost over stick handling at times, it seems. Uh, but he's off to a, a fantastic start, especially in the last little while. Seven goals, 12 assists in 35 games. Uh, probably 
on his way to career highs in the goal department or if not very close to matching what he did last year with 13 goals also had 13 in Carolina yesterday after practice I had a little sit down with Warren Fogle here's that conversation Warren everything going right well right now for the team Uh, how would you assess how things are kind of shaping up here in the last uh, couple weeks or so yeah, they're, uh, you know, I think we're just taking it day by day and, you know, we're heading in the right direction. Um, you know, we know we have a lot of work to uh, left to do and, you know, we just got to, you know, stay patient in our game and, you know, stay focused. How do you handle the ups and downs? Because it seems there's been so many winning streaks and the odd losing streak here in the last bit. How do you handle that? Um, yeah, I think that just comes with experience. Um, you know, this team has battled through, you know, adversity through the years. And, uh, you know, I think it's just being patient and, you know, and belief in this dressing room. And, you know, I think you can see in our in our play that we're a lot more patient. Um, you know, there are games that we're trailing and, you know, we're not getting away from our game. We're not cheating. There's no panic. Um, so I, th- I would say those are the uh, the reasons for, uh, you know, staying with it. How much fun have you had playing with Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan McLeod? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Obviously, when you're winning, uh, you know, it, it makes it that much sweeter. And, you know, we've been able to, uh, you know, generate some, uh, you know, some good chances uh, the last few games. And, you know, just hoping we can, uh, you know, continue to do that on a consistent basis. Why do you think you guys found chemistry so fast and have been able to keep that chemistry? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, I've played with uh, Clowder for a long part of my tenure here, and I feel like we have good chemistry. And then, you know, Leon's just so smart, right? He's he's a top, top two player in the world, and, um, you know, we're trying to do all the work and, and get it to him and, and, you know, let him you know create plays and you know he's so smart and, and he's a worker so uh you know i i don't really have the exact answer for you but um you know it, it's been gelling right now and you know just hope to continue that when you're looking for him on the ice specifically down low in the offensive zone are you looking at him differently than maybe other centermen you've played because of what he brings to the table i guess yeah i think you're fully aware of who you're on the ice with you know um I think you really value the puck when you play with someone like that because you want you want him to spend time in the ozone, not the G zone. You know, so I think that's something that Ryan and I have uh, you know done a better job at is you know maintaining that possession and you know not doing as many one and dones. You know, trying to you know gain traction in the ozone and uh, you know obviously you know you have the puck on Leon Drysell's uh, stick. You know does wonders for defensemen so you just try to get open what about the patience factor because when he does have the puck he can maybe hang on to it for you know maybe one or two seconds longer when he's defending guys off him and protecting the puck so how does that change for you where you need to be position wise yeah for sure um i think it's just trying to find open space um like you said he holds on to the puck better than anyone in the league um, you know, he's such a big body, so good at protecting it. But the other thing, too, is, it's, you know, sometimes two guys get drawn to him, you know, and then there's someone wide open, and, you know, he's always going to find that guy. Ryan McLeod, yourself, both have great speed. Do you have to kind of make sure that you're aware of each other to not kind of, I don't know, overlap, run into each other, things like that? Yeah, for sure. I think we've uh, adjusted to each other uh, with our speed. I think, obviously, him, like, coming to the wing, it's a, it's a little bit different with your speed. It's more straight lines and, you know, curling back as a low centerman and gaining so much speed. So he's done a great job of adjusting and, um, you know, he's going to the dirty areas and, he, and he's making plays. How gratifying was a five-point night in Anaheim? 
Yeah, pretty surreal. I don't think it really hit me till like the day after. You know, I, I know everyone was super happy for me, and you know, obviously happy we won. But uh, you know, it, it's something uh, you know I'll, I'll remember forever. And you know, t- to do it at even strength is is uh, you know something I take a lot of pride in. You know, my whole career is really about producing f- five on five. You know, and I feel like that gets kind of overlooked. So it was nice that that got shown there. It was at the you know end of the Christmas, uh, you know, beginning into the break. And what did you think in the sense of uh, the calls you got, the texts you got, uh, everyone reaching out? Yeah, it was just super, uh, you know, humbling. And you know, a lot of those people that reached out, like I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for their support and, and you know working with me throughout the years. And you know, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be in hockey if I didn't. My brother didn't, you know, get into it. You know, parents driving to the rink and and things like that. And um, you know, and my teammates have been, were awesome. Um, you know, they're always supporting, always a lot of healthy banter here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun group to be a part of. How much has that support meant to you to get where you are right now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's, we've, we're talking about roller coast up and down during team play. And, you know, that happens to individuals too. And, you know, I really find that, uh, you know, since the calendar year of, of 2023, it's really gone in the right direction for me. And, you know, I'm just hoping to, uh, continue that you know play with confidence and you know understand my game how about that confidence i mean it's so crazy when you lose it you just can't find a way to get it back quick enough and when you have it you can't keep it long enough yeah it's it's a weird thing um um you're just yeah you know i think that that's i think the hardest thing is what you said is trying to keep it and you know the the good thing is about our locker room is you know everyone is is open and honest and and, in you know healthy good banter you know everyone's in a good mood so sometimes when things aren't going so well you know at least it's fun coming to the ring because you know everyone's here to support you but um you know just yeah you know just try to stick with it and you know hope i can continue that thanks for this one good luck against uh, ottawa on saturday thanks that's Oilers forward Warren Fogle in conversation yesterday in the Oilers locker room following practice. And you remember back in 2021 in the summer, Warren Fogle was traded for Ethan Bear. And at the time, a lot of people were not very happy with the trade. They felt that the Oilers were giving up on a right shot defenseman. The Oilers at the time had basically Tyson Berry running the power play moving forward, had Evan Bouchard you know, in the holster moving forward. A lot of people didn't like the trade, but you you can't argue with the numbers that Warren Fogle has put up as basically a third-line player in Edmonton. Since arriving, he had 12 goals back in 21-22. The following year, one more, had 13 in 2022-23. Uh, 26 points, 28 points. His career high is 30 points and 13 goals and 17 assists back in 2019-22 in Carolina. Right now, seven goals, 12 assists. He's got 19 points. Playing on a line with Leon Dreisaitl has obviously helped that, but there is that chemistry. There's some synchronicity that has been brewing between Leon Dreisaitl and Warren Fogle and Ryan McLeod, and we'll see exactly where that uh, where that goes moving forward. But Warren Fogel is a, a big load. He's a big body, gets in on the forecheck. And right now, uh, that second line, I mean, you look at what the, the they've produced 
and uh, we'll be looking for more of that coming down here on uh, Saturday night and then uh, on this uh, road trip when the Oilers play the next three on the road. Uh, when we come back, we've got some open time at the top of the hour. Claire Hanna from TSN will guest with us, uh, talk about the Ottawa Senators coming in and where that franchise is moving forward because it's uh, in a tough situation right now. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Book your kids 5 to 12 years old in one of our holiday camps running throughout the Christmas school break, which happened and was just a fabulous time. And I'm sure everybody had a great time. But for now, you can check out that all runs and all lifts are open and ready for family fun seven days a week. Visit snowvalley.ca for details. Here is the Duke.